Every now and again, it's really good to just get back to some basics about what Christianity is. Uh, and in a way, that's what we've been doing. We're doing a little series on being a disciple. Being a disciple. And we've looked at f- four marks of being a disciple. We're going to look at two more uh, today. We started by, you know, being a disciple. The mark of being a disciple is you spend time with Jesus. You know, uh, it's really important that we spend time with God. You know, the, the original disciples were called, it says in Mark's Gospel, they were called to be with him. And that's really important, that we spend time with Jesus. That we love God supremely. He becomes number one. We seek his will, we seek his way, we put him first. We seek first the kingdom of God. Thirdly, that we thought we must love every other disciple. It's not just enough right to love God, you've got to love others as well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, etc. But love your neighbour as yourself. So the two arms, and you know, they are the two of the greatest commandments, as Jesus would refer to it. So we need to love one another. We're going to spend eternity together. And important one there, we must obey what Jesus says. If you obey me. That's it. That was, you know, we can't say we love him if we don't follow what he says. So there's those four marks of being a disciple, and I want to share with you um, a couple more, and I did have some notes, but I don't know what I've done with them. <laughs> Maybe, oh, I've got them there. Yes. All right. Fifth mark, then, if we're going to go, is being a disciple, I must serve others unselfishly. I must serve others unselfishly. Uh, service is a really important part of our spiritual growth and development. God says it's not all about taking in, it's about giving back as well. It's about doing things where you're not just getting fat on spiritual knowledge, right, and becoming religious in that way. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus put it like this, if you want to be the most important, if you want to be first then you must be the last. You must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. That is about one of the most countercultural statements for the 21st century, isn't it, in Great Britain. You have to be the last, right? Because the values that Jesus is stepping up here and and portraying and, and proclaiming to others are totally opposite to the values of what the world portrays. That actually, you know, the world just says, me first, do it my way, my pleasure. I've got to be number one. I've got to look after the self. And we see that in a global scale with various governments and things, don't we? That's the world's value. But God's values are totally different. He says, well, actually, you've got to serve others. You've got to put other people first. The world says, it's all about me. I deserve it. But it's far from what God says. I need to tell you something, that if you just live by the world's values and you just put yourself first, actually you'll become one of the most miserable people. Because God wants us to give our lives away. Give our life away. And why is that so important? Well, I just want to share something with you about that. Because the key to happiness in life is that we find some sense of significance in who we are and what we do. We all need a sense of significance. That is what gives us happiness. And happiness won't last unless we find that significance and 
Everybody, whether you prepared to admit it, everybody wants to feel significant. That it matters. My life matters. I count for something. The problem is, we all look for significance in the wrong places. Success doesn't bring you significance. Because you will always find someone who's been more successful than you. And when you do that, you start feeling bad about yourself because we're prone to compare and contrast ourselves. And so our significance falls down a scale. Money doesn't bring you significance. You can have a lot of money, and I'm, you know, I'm not knocking money. money. Money's a good thing. You can make a lot of money. Money can relieve a lot of problems, can't it? Right? But it won't bring you the significance that you think, well, if only I got this, if only I had that. It won't last. It doesn't bring significance. Money can do a lot of things, but it won't bring that. It doesn't come through sex. It doesn't come through status. Significance doesn't come through those little symbols that you proudly have mounted on your car to show that your car's better than another one. Or even on our shirts. Look at this shirt, this one, you know. I had a son. Don't, aren't kids ridiculous sometimes? You know, I won't tell you which one is. Dad, I bought a shirt, it's 80 quid. I said, like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sell it for 100. He said, yeah, what? Are you? This is Weymouth, for goodness sake. <laughs> you know what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. You know, but all these things, because it, it just happened to have this particular logo on it, that makes it worth something. It's a shirt, for goodness sake. Isn't it? And it's important, you see, that, that we recognise that our significance really comes by serving other people. Because God has wired the universe in such a way that that's where our significance comes, when we learn to give our lives away. God wants us, in a way, to learn to become more like him, unselfish. Unselfish. The most miserable people are those who are self-centred, whose lives are all about themselves, living for themselves and their pleasure and their needs and their own comfort. But the happiest people are those who learn to give their life away by serving others. And so the Bible says, give your life away. And who's the model for that? Well, obviously it's Jesus, isn't it? We know that. And so if we go on to the next verse, you know, Jesus would put model this. He said, I... The Son of Man come here, or came here, not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Be worth, if you've got that verse in your Bible, underlining, to serve and to give. In a way, that's a kind of defining mark of being a Christian. I'm going to serve and I'm going to give. I'm going to give away. I'm going to help others. And the more we learn to serve and give, the happier we're going to be, the most fulfilled you're going to be, because God is going to pour his blessing into the lives of people who get this, that actually, by giving away, I get more. God just loves to do that. And so the Bible says, 
give your life away. And serving is important to spiritual growth because you just can't take in all the time. You have to exercise. You know, I said, if you just come and you come and you listen and you take a few notes and, and you go home, you're not living a Christian life as a, a, in, in an effective way. You're just getting fat on knowledge, on Bible understanding, and I can kind of talk the language of a theologian or whatever. But we have to exercise. We have to develop some muscle. Someone came up with the phrase some years ago, impression without expression leads to depression. In other words, we can't just come and be impressed with something. We've then got to go and express it. If we don't express it, it just muggles around inside us and can actually be a heavy load to bear. And so we've got to express what God has done for me, I'm going to go and do something for others. Service is that important. It becomes important for our life as a disciple. But some people, you know, they're just um, spiritual feeders. You just listen. You come to church and listen. You go to a Bible study and listen. You turn on the radio, a Christian radio station, and you listen. Right? You turn on the internet and you listen. But you have to do some exercise. You have to put it into practice. Learning all this stuff. And it's like that testimony of that group, you know, oh, why has he invited her in? I think he was, that's a bit random. No, it's not. This is a time to practice some of the things we've been learning, isn't it? Ah, great. And we will grow in our spirituality if we learn to exercise the faith into practice. Blessed are those who do the word of the Lord, not those who listen, being a doer. And here at Weymouth Baptist Church, there are plenty of opportunities to serve. You can serve in a worship group. You can serve by serving coffees. You can serve welcoming people. You can serve with helping children. You can serve going out to help the poor with various organizations that we're affiliated with and run. Uh, you can help in um, helping older people in care homes. You can help yeah, do administration work. You can do all sorts of endless opportunities in order to serve. Maybe you yet don't know, what, what am I really made for? What is my, my own spiritual gifts? What is my mix of those kind of characteristics so I know how to? Well, we want to help you find the right place so you can serve. Spiritual growth requires exercise, not just study. And there's another thing I just want to share with you on this point, because, you know, we grow spiritually when we learn to sacrifice. Because the essence of love is sacrifice. It's, the essence is, is giving out, isn't it? If you've never made or never had to sacrifice anything, you don't really know the deeper levels of love. You're only in the shallow end. And when you make a sacrifice, you've gone deeper. You begin to realize the, the plummets and the depths of, of what love is like and how it can be expressed and how it can be received. Someone made a sacrifice. You're making a sacrifice when you step out of your way. Not just doing the thing, well, it was convenient, but when it's inconvenient. Hmm? Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, 
he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself means, Lord, I'm putting my agenda on the shelf and I'm going to follow your agenda. What is it you want me to do? Not just what I feel like doing. It's not my purpose in life, it's your purpose in my life, Lord, that really matters. I'm going to deny myself and my plans and say, God, what do you want? Why have you put me on earth? What is it that you want me to do? You remember that old song? There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. Yeah? That's absolutely true. Every one of us is made differently. And we need to find out what is it that God wants me to do. And we'd like to help you to do that. Take up your cross. Literally be willing to sacrifice for good and for God. Even if it means dying. I don't know who's got the spiritual gift of martyrdom here. Anybody want to raise their hand for that one? It's a gift you're only going to use once. I know that. Well, I don't know whether you've had to put your life on the line. I know some of you have been in places where your life has been, well, it could have been cut short because it was demanding and you didn't shy away from it. Prepared to sacrifice, prepared to take up your cross. The cross was an instrument of death. And only God can turn something so negative into something that is so positive. The cross was a symbol of torture. We don't understand that because we just kind of think of these lovely little jewellery crosses that people wear around. Like, oh, you're wearing your cross. We fight for the right to wear a cross. What about taking up your cross where you're putting your life down on the line? I read some statistics this week that 157,000 Christians died last year just for believing in Jesus Christ. That's a lot of people, isn't it? No one's seeking to do that in a sense, but are we prepared when the push comes to shove that actually I will go out of my way to serve? I will deny myself and take up the cross and follow Jesus who laid down his life so that we can all find what life is truly about. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to spend some time with me, you need to love God supremely, you need to love everybody else in my family, you need to obey my commandments continually, you need to serve others unselfishly, And the sixth mark I want to share with you this morning is simply this. To be a disciple, I must pass on the good news. I must pass on the good news. When I hear the good news, I am supposed to tell somebody else that good news. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4, right at the beginning, when he called out. He said, Jesus called out to these guys who were fishing, but with their nets, he said, come, follow me, be my disciple, and I will show you how to fish for people, fish for men. 
And they left their nets at once and followed him. You see, there he is walking down the shore one day and there's Peter, James and and John and Andrew, brothers and cousins to each other and they're all, you know, preparing their nets, sitting in the boat. They're professional fishermen and Jesus comes along and uh, he says, come and be my disciple. And that's at the heart of what we've been saying over these last three weeks. Jesus is calling us to follow him. Follow me, he says, follow me. But he also calls us to become fishers of men. You see, following and fishing go together. There shouldn't be a separate, I'm a follower, but I'm not a fisher. We follow and we fish. And to be his disciples, we're going to learn to fish. Jesus says to them, and say, I'm going to show you how to change people's lives. I'm going to show you how to bring people into the kingdom. I'm going to show you how to bring people to me, to God himself, to share this gift. You'll be a fisher of men. Is anybody going to be in the kingdom of heaven because of you? Time to reflect. Is there someone going to be in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? because of you because if we're not fishing I question our following because they go hand in hand well we all know different people are gifted in different ways and some will be sowing the seed and some will be watering it and some will be reaping it in that sense but we all have to be involved in some level of fishing passing on the good news. If I knew the cure for cancer and kept it a secret, you, you should put me in prison. Actually, I know something even far better than the cure of cancer, and so do you. And the question is, do we pass it on? Do we share it? Paul put it like this when he was talking to Timothy. Timothy was his young disciple his young apprentice. And he put it like this to Timothy, take the teachings that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will be able to teach others also. You see, that's four generations of people mentioned in that one verse. You know, Paul says, I've got the good news, Timothy, and I pass that good news on to you Now you, Timothy, pass it on to other reliable people who can pass it on to others. Right? You are in the kingdom. If you're a Christian today, you are in the kingdom of God because someone told you. And that someone was told by someone else. And somebody told the somebody who told the somebody who told you. And the chain could go on. Are you going to break the chain? Or are you just going to pass... Are you going to say, well, I'm not going to pass it on. We need to pass it on. You've heard me say it before. The church, Christianity as a whole, is only one generation away from annihilation. 
if we become the generation that don't, doesn't pass it on. We have to pass on what God has done for us. So Jesus calls his disciples. The very first phrase where he calls out is, come, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to pass this good news on. You're going to receive it and you're going to pass it on. And then some of his last words, when he gets to, after spending three years with him and he, they've seen him die on a cross and rise again from the grave and he meets with them and he's just about to be ascended and he tells them, go into all the world then. Go and make disciples. That means once you're a disciple, go and make some others then. Of all nations, of every ethnic group in the whole world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. And teach these new disciples to do the same thing you're doing. What was that? to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, he says. I am with you always. That's right. Why don't we make it our goal this year for everyone to reach one? Everyone reach one. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? For everyone to reach one. Not two, not ten, just one. That'd be phenomenal, wouldn't it? If it actually happened. I want you to start praying, Lord, help me bring someone closer to you this year. Somebody to know Jesus to start asking deeper questions, to be drawn in. Maybe it's random meeting in the night that encourages someone to go on an alpha course in another town even. Who knows? Why don't we just start praying for our neighbours and our friends <coughs> and our work colleagues that I can spend some time reaching out to them and serving them. sharing good news with them. I'm not asking you to be a Bible thumper, but just to pass the baton on. (laughs) I've received some good news. Hmm? What have you received? I've I've, I've found out that my past can be forgiven, that I have a purpose in the present, and I have a hope for the future. That's what salvation is. Past, present, and future is all-encompassing. My sin is forgiven. I now know what life is. I've entered into life and want to truly experience it to its fullness and it goes on forever. I have hope for eternity. We should not be holding back on that. We need to pass it on. Well, you know, one of the main problems is that um, we, quote, evangelicals, when um, it comes to this kind of passing on or witnessing, and sometimes what we call it, evangelism, what we have made it, we've made it into a big program for the professional. We get the evangelist in, and he can speak or something. Or, you know, it's for the specialists, or the enthusiasts, 
Let's just hunt the church for a few enthusiasts and get them involved. And sadly, that's what we've done in the churches over the years. And so evangelism that should have been ordinary, you know, what I've been trying to say, the, the, the natural rhythm of life where we disciple and evangelize in our normal lifestyles, we've passed the buck over to all the others people to run the program and get be the enthusiast and bring in the professional. And dare I say that we've made evangelism into evangelophobia because we're scared stiff. We certainly don't want to get involved in that. (laughs) Well, look with me into one of my favourite chapters. You've heard me preach on this before. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus, the words of Jesus. He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. First say peace to this house. Eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Hmm? This is a key passage. Let's just work through the phrase by phrase. The harvest is plentiful, said Jesus. There are lots of spiritually hungry people in the world and in Weymouth seeking the meaning and purpose of life. They've given up on the church and they're seeking it in all sorts of other things. We need to be there talking to people. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It seems as though not many people are getting involved in helping them find their way and passing on the good news. So what's Jesus' answer to that? He says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. You recognise the need? Well, start praying for God to do something. Yes? Surprise, surprise, you're the answer to the prayer. Go, I'm sending you. Yeah? So we want to pray for God, God, change the world, change our town, change my family. Yep, I'm going to, I'm going to use you. You the answer to the prayer. And like lambs amongst wolves, he says, that's what you'll be. He says, I know you're scared. I know you're full of fear. And I know it's difficult out there. Who used to watch Hill Street Blues years ago? Yeah, you remember that? What was that catchphrase the old guy said? Be careful out there. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's what it's like, isn't it? When we go, when we finish the surface, service, we shouldn't be saying the grace to it. We should be saying, be careful out there. Why? Because we're going out on mission. We're going out to live for God. Right? Because we're the answer to the prayers. And he says, I'm sending you, and you're going to be like lambs amongst wolves. But I'm promised to equip you and protect you and to be present with you always. And he says, this is how you do it. Speak peace to this house. Just pray and ask for God's blessing upon everyone you meet. We are quick to judge, even quick to curse without us realising what we're doing. Just be quick to bless. Speak peace. Peace to this house. God's shalom is peace and prosperity. You, you know, you've got that little shop corner, corner shop, sorry. Huh? 
bless it, Lord, I pray that they would prosper. He said, but they're Muslims. That doesn't matter. You want them to prosper. Seek the prosperity of the city you're in. We live in Weymouth. We need it to prosper. Because God will then bless us. Right, so we can speak God's blessings on the people, the people you work with. Instead of muttering under our breath about how terrible they are, it's just, I pray God that you bless them. And as you start bless, doing that, seeking that, that way of life, then spend some time with them. Eat what they offer you, or even what you offer them. <laughs> spend some time with people. I'm going to touch on this again next week. I think it's the easiest thing is when things are done, done over a meal. <laughs> That's why that party was used. And he says, heal the sick. Ah, right. I've blessed them. I've eaten with them, spent time with them, I've befriended them. Now I said, now heal the sick. What does that mean? You are a carrier of the very presence and power of God himself. That's what a Christian disciple is. Christ in us the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us if we're Christians today. Do you believe that? Then when we give away, we give away what of God, don't we? It just pours out of us. So when healing the sick, maybe that you just, can I pray with you? Was that what you were urged to do, Kathy? To pray with someone? You're going to pray with, yeah. Right, and you just, you get that prompt. Okay, you didn't follow it that time. The next time, we're going to follow it then. You say, well, I'm going to stop. Can I pray with you? I find it very rare that someone will turn around and say, no. <laughs> I've prayed for people who just stood in the street and everything. You don't have to be demonstrative about it. Most people will just accept prayer. If your faith is just open, can I pray with you? And they might see God work quite miraculously. Or it might be that you've got to do something more mundane. Can I help you across the road with your shopping? Can I come and paint your wall for you? Can I look after your children while you go to the hospital? And then he says, tell them the kingdom is near. Because as they taste and see and experience the love of God flowing out of us, that we want to spend time with our neighbours. We want to spend time with our work colleagues. We want to spend time with that member of the family who is a pain. Whatever it might be, we're actually believing that actually we're about a kingdom work here. And we want to pass on what God has done for us. I don't think evangelism like that is particularly hard. Because it's just the normal way of life if you just have a meal with some people and seek to help them. And so I want to close this series. If you just pick up this little piece of paper that you have taken. <clears throat> and it's very simple. Uh, on one side, it kind of says, my commitment to grow in 2017. And that's effectively what this series has been about. And there's those six marks that I have uh, shared with you over these weeks to seek to spend time with Jesus. 
to seek to love God supremely, to love others better, to obey what God says, to serve others unselfishly, to seek to pass the good news on to others. Now, I know we can all go around there and say, well, if I'm really going to grow this year, I can tick all six, because I, I'm, I'm, I need improvement in all of them. But I'd love you just to look and pause right now. It's going to take a minute of quiet, of silence. And for you to examine yourself, and I'm going to examine myself, what is the one that I really need to see some improvement in, some growth in? What is it? What is your step for this year? I don't know what you need to do. I would love it that you would tick one of those boxes that you can say, this is... Yeah, you, I know you could, we could all tick all of them. We know that. But what's the one thing, maybe two things even? You say, I want to see some change this year. And you say, Peter, why do I need to tick it? I can just do it mentally. Well, I'm actually going to ask you to write your name on it. And you see, this is about being intentional. We started this series by, by saying we need to make a commitment to grow. You make a choice. And I think actually by going public with that choice, you, you actually think about it more and more. And all you need to do is write your name in it, and we're gonna, we can put that basket wherever it's gone, in the, in the table, whoever's got the basket. Uh, if that could go on the table at the front there. Uh, in the, in the <coughs> now, if you leave it at the table at the door, please. Yeah, we don't need to come to the front with it. Just leave it at the table at the door. I'd like you to write your name. I'll be the only one who sees it. I want to pray for you this year that this is where you say, I want to grow in that area. And I want you to just put your name so that I can pray for you. And I want you to know that I will be taking that very seriously. And on the other side of this, is actually a series of things that you can tick and you can write some other thing there because I actually believe that we want to help you. And maybe you kind of think you've been, well, I, I don't know how to read my Bible properly. And I, I kind of start at Genesis and by the time I get to Leviticus, I've given up. <laughs> I don't know how to spend time in prayer. Where do you, be, where do you even begin? I don't, know, I don't know about having serving other people. I need to know what, what gifts have I got that are even useful. <laughs> well, we'd like to help you find that. Well, maybe when we were referring to the other week about the truth setting you free and this a need for freedom in Christ and to know your identity and security as a child of God. And you'd like help with that. Or maybe it's someone who wants to find out about some of the other things, being baptised or joining a life group, becoming a member of the church. Someone who's at the very beginning says, I'd just like to explore some basic things about Christianity. Maybe it's to join an Alpha course. 
Or maybe it's how, I, how do I really share my faith? Or maybe there's something else that I'm really, like this, this, this side is practical. Because again, I want to look at what you say so that actually we can say, right, we're going to help you. We're going to put something on that helps you grow in that area. So one of the things I've learned as a pastor of a church is that we talk about growth and we can all kind of feel a bit guilty and that's not my intention to make anyone feel guilty saying, oh, I need to grow, I really need to mature a bit. Well, we want to help you do that. I need, I need help. We talked last week, we actually grow in community. We do it together. And so let's do it together. And if there's some people who say, well, that's where I struggle, well, then let's learn together. So I'd love you to fix one or two or write something else in there. I'll be the only one who sees it. And we'll be taking, I'll be taking those very seriously. So Jesus put it like this in Mark chapter 8. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Let's just bow our heads with, to pray. Heavenly Father, we all know that we're not what we should be. We thank you that we're not what we used to be. And we ask you to help us to grow. Is there someone here this morning and you just want to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I don't want to be a half-hearted Christian. I don't want to be an immature believer. I want to grow up, Lord. Not just grow old. Father God, would you see the hearts of everyone as we make our response, not to me, not with just a piece of paper, but make our responses to you, but being intentional about how we need to go forwards. And we as church and as church leaders want to help, Lord, to give us the wisdom as we seek different ways that we can do that throughout this year. So that we can truly say, as we look back on another year, that we have changed. And whatever step you need to make this year, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the power of his spirit, that you will go forwards with that change and that transformation as you keep your eyes firmly fixed on him who has done it for you and is with you always. And whatever you're going through, he's there and he wants to help you. And just like a good parent who wants to nurture and nourish their children, we have a heavenly father who wants to nurture us and nourish us and see us grow. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the group to come back and we can...
share in a closing song. You know, this series is really because in my heart I really want to see, I want to see us grow up. I want to see us become mature. Not just to kind of be frothy on the outside, but actually see real transformational growth as the year goes on. If there is something you would like someone to pray with you about, for you, then as we sing or at the end of the service, feel free to come and sit down the front. No one will ask you to give a speech or anything. Someone will just come and sit with you from our prayer team who would love to pray for you about any issue you're facing in life. may not be anything that I've spoken about. You may have something else you just feel burdened with. And uh, just come and receive that ministry and be encouraged through that time. Let's stand to sing. Amen.